0: Beautiful song, Judy. I hadn't heard that. It has a lot of meaning. I'm going to go through through different verses, but I guess for our reading, I just want to read a single proverb, uh, chapter 11, verse 2. So, If you find that and stand in God's honor as I read from the word. When pride comes, then comes disgrace. But with humility comes wisdom. Let's pray. Father, sometimes all we can see is a few inches in front of us. Our view is very limited. So it is with pride, Lord. When we are the main subject, and many times the only subject, our view is very short-sighted, but with humility comes wisdom. When we can see the bigger picture, which is you, Father, our vision is much greater and we're able to see clearly. And so, Father, as we look tonight at the benefits of wisdom, of humility that bring brings wisdom, and just guide us, Father, as we look at several of these. May you be pleased And may you be lifted up. Because you have said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men to me. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. You know, through the years, I've looked at several important documents. You know, like the deed that I have. Or, um, you know, different kinds of insurance papers. And... Some of that stuff is just impossible to understand. I know these folk are really smart. But to me, the smartest people are not the ones that make it so complicated. I have to spend a couple of hours trying to read it in a dictionary to define what I'm reading. The ones that amaze me are the people that are able to take things that are really hard to understand, that are complex, and put it on my level. You know, like they say, put the cookies on the bottom shelf. And God wants us to know that following Him has great benefits. It shouldn't be something that is hidden or something that, you know, goes over our heads. And I want to look at several of these benefits tonight. Uh, I'm going to open with an illustration. This is actually a true story. And it was about a lawyer in Charlotte who bought some very expensive cigars. And uh, he read the paperwork very carefully and understanding legalese. He decided he would take advantage of the situation. I, I'm just going to read to you from this because uh, probably better than me explaining it. A lawyer in Charlotte, North Carolina, purchased a box of very rare and expensive cigars, then insured them against fire, among other things. Within a month, having smoked his entire stockpile of these great cigars, and without yet having made even his first premium payment on the policy, the lawyer filed a claim with the insurance company. In his claim, the lawyer stated the cigars were lost in a series of small fires. The insurance company refused to pay, citing the obvious reason that the man had consumed the cigars in the normal fashion. The lawyer sued and won In delivering the ruling, the judge agreed with the insurance company the claim was frivolous. The judge stated, nevertheless, the lawyer held a policy from the company in which it had warranted the cigars were insurable and also guaranteed it would sure them against fire without defining what is considered to be unacceptable fire and was obligated to pay the claim. Rather than endure the lengthy and costly appeal process, the insurance company accepted the ruling and paid $15,000. To the lawyer for the rare cigars lost in the fires. But but the story's not over. Listen to this. But after the lawyer cashed the check, the insurance company arrested him on 24 counts of arson. Isn't that great? With his own insurance claim and testimony from the previous case... Used against him, the lawyer was convicted of intentionally burning his insured property and was sentenced to 24 months in jail and a $24,000 dollars fine. Sometimes it's like, whew, this is, you know, good to get a little justice. But when we look at the benefits God gives to us, it's not like we're trying to pull something or gain something we um, aren't... Don't Well, we don't deserve any of it. But he wants to bless us. And, and I want to just look at several of these because uh, they're quite a blessing. The first that he gives us, the first benefit received from humility. And by the way, all humility really is, is having the proper view. It's seeing God as great as he is and seeing me that I have a great need for God. That's humility. God is great. I have a great need. For God, when we have that view, it's humility. Uh, first benefit of that I want to mention is protection and understanding. Turn me to Psalm thirty-seven. I have found myself over the last couple of years using this text quite frequently as I think about people around me who are hurting and trying to explain to them that it's not that God is some, you know, really mean, mean deity that wants to strike you. But that he has boundaries. And his word is a safe pasture. And when you step out of that pasture, you step into danger. And and so in Psalm 37, we read about this. Starting in verse 3. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him, and he will do this. He will make your righteousness shine like the dawn, the justice of your cause like the noonday sun. So, he says, to dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. That's to dwell in his principles, in his word, in his way of thinking, and that is the safe place. Now, there's a twofold command to get in this safe pasture, trust in the Lord and do good. So the first requirement is to trust in the Lord. To trust in the Lord is not just lip service. It's literally putting your confidence in Him. Let's say uh, that a motivational speaker, well, we'll just say for all practical sake, a, a very gifted preacher comes and and he speaks with, man, i mean, has this incredible eloquence and, and so articulate. And, you know, one minute he has those out listening to him out in the congregation in tears as he speaks. And, and then the next minute they're, you know, practically in the floor because of laughter. And the motions are up and down. And, and then when it comes to a time to respond, everybody is so emotionally moved. That, you know, they're, they're ready to, to, to come down and, and to make decisions. And, and it's just powerful. But then at the end of the service, the most respected person in the church community comes up from the pulpit and says, That was an incredible speech. But I need to tell you something about this man. You can't believe a thing he says. He is a cad, he's a liar. He just wants to take your money and take advantage of you. Talk about spoiling the moment. Talk about taking the air out of the balloon. Our lives, guys, when we say trust in the Lord, we don't just come and listen to a message and then walk out and say, I trust the Lord. No, our lives need to say to people around us, I trust the Lord. It's a terrible thing if we hear... And we don't obey. You know what he says in James one twenty two: Be not just hearers of the word. Be doers. And then I it says. Do not merely listen to the word of God. Do what it says. This is trusting the Lord. And that's key. But not only are we to trust him. He says to do good. And that is actually placing his word into action with our lives. That's really what wisdom is, is the spiritual application of the knowledge. It's taking what we learn and making it a daily part of our lives. The choices that we make. I mean, that makes a, a definite difference. Huh. Um, you see, the, the basic truth is, God hates sin not because he wants to punish people. But because sin hurts people, it really does. When I was I was thinking about this. When I, I don't remember how old I was, I was a little boy. You know, like most little boys, we like to play war. But we got brave one day. We wanted to make this as realistic as possible, so we got out our BB guns and we were going to play war. And everything was good till I got hit with a BB. It hurt. I decided it's time to quit playing. <sighs> sin is. Beautiful for a short time. But when you get hit, hurts. And there's a lot of people who are hurt out there. And they need to know that God is not trying to punish them. Matter of fact, He's provided Jesus to help them. To get them, to, to, to love them. But if you, if you don't listen to God, if you don't stay in that safe pasture, if you don't trust Him, if you don't do what He says then you're opened up to the attack. There's a protection and an understanding that comes as we trust Him. Uh, It it makes the difference. Uh, Next one here, let's look at the next one here. Defense against Satan. Turn with me to James chapter 4, verse 7. It says, Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. The lesson here is I don't care how tough you are. All of us one day are going to submit to God. There's a battle that goes on. We talked about that this morning, that there's this spiritual battle that's always going on around us. But the one truth no one can escape is that we will all one day submit before the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I think of that verse in Philippians 2 where it says, Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God. Now, it doesn't say some will. It doesn't say a few will get out of it. It says there will come a time where every knee will bow and every tongue will confess to Jesus. Now here's the question. It's not will I submit? It's will I do it of my own choosing or will I be forced to? God has sent Jesus so that we'll be transformed and changed. Not so that there will be a time where we'll be without him, where we'll where we'll have to come face to face with our condition where it's too late to have the forgiveness that he longs to give us. If we're going to be able to be victorious in our walk with God, it comes not by being the tough guy, it comes by learning to submit to Jesus, to God. <laughs> it, it, it comes by an understanding that, God, I want you to, to be the one who's prominent. In my life. I don't need to be the one on stage. You need to be the one on stage. You need to be the one who gets the attention. Not me. that That's humility as it plays out. And, and that is necessary before. Any kind of victory. Spiritually. Like we talked about this morning. Satan he's a smart rascal. And he he can watch us. And he can cause all kinds of trouble. And the way to, to destroy him. Is not by how good I am. Boy I'm good. Yeah right. Right. I won't go into that. The key is God's strength, His goodness. That, that's where the battle's won. C.S. Lewis and the Screw Tape what an interesting book. He writes it uh, from the viewpoint of uh, some demons, and there' are some young demons that are trying to learn from Uncle from an uncle. and anyways, as it shares through there, it's how to make Christians uh, turn away from God. And not use their influence for godly things. Very interesting book. But anyway, there's one section in there where the uncle's giving some advice to one of the younger demons. And um, it talks about uh, uh, all these demons that are together planning a strategy um, to keep people from hearing the gospel. And, And the first demon, first young demon says, well, I'll just convince them there's no heaven. I said, no, nah, nah, I don't think that'll work. If, if you convince them, uh nah. So the next demon comes on. and says, well, I'll just convince them there's no hell. He says, well, that's better. But And the third demon says, I'll just convince them there's no hurry. And, and the legend is that's the one he chose. We'll just put it off. We'll, we'll just push it up. The problem is you and I aren't in control of the schedule. We don't know when we'll step into eternity. God's grace will reach out at any moment. We're not past His grace. The problem is we don't know when we're past the opportunity to receive His grace. Of course, it scares me. Even now, we live in a land where many are denying hell. Many are denying heaven. They're very real places that Jesus that Jesus spoke of. But in humility, when we advance on our knees, unbelievable before God. There's victory before the devil. Otherwise, we find ourselves falling to his influence when God wants us to have victory. Third, there's a power for service that he provides. Um, I don't know where this quote, who said it, but I've got unknown written by it. Humility is probably the most unpopular virtue demanded by the gospel. Yet until a man is humble, no good thing can come from him, no matter what he may do. The Lord can do such great things for us if we're humble, and so very little for us when we are proud. God actually sets us free from ourselves. You see, it's not about self-sacrifice. It's not about self-destruction. It's about self-forgetfulness. Or my eyes are able to come off of me. It says in Ephesians 5, 1 and 2, Be imitators of God, therefore, as God's dearly loved children, and live a life of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. There is a power for service that comes when love becomes the ultimate motivation, humility, As he's able to work through our lives. Next is a fruit bearing. This is a Psalm 126 verse 6. He who goes out weeping. Carrying precious seed to sow. Will return with songs of joy. Carrying sheaves with him. The fruit that lasts is the fruit that comes from an humble heart one that's in submission to God, dying to self, um, seeking Christ. Um, It's interesting when you read about the times that God brought revival through people's lives. It was an humble person, and you always found someone praying that God would work through. There was a revival in the early 1900s in Wells with a young man by the name of Evan Roberts, who longed desperately to see revival. He was really discouraged as he looked around him and saw so little love for God. And so for the next 13 years, he fervently prayed for God to send revival. After 13 years, he went and he heard a speaker. And in the message, the preacher said that God needed to bend us before. And those words just stuck in Evan's mind. And he began to fervently pray, God, bend me. God, bend me. God, bend me. Until God got a hold of him in a powerful manner and revival began. It it was said that... uh, through God working through evidence spreading out that over 100,000 people came to Christ in that area. And revival was started and, and moved with great power through that area in 1904 and 1905. And, and you know, it makes you think of Second Chronicles 7:14. if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray. And that was the kind of heart they had. One man said, the way to measure your life is not by your position. It's not by your reputation. It's not by kind words and praise you receive. But you measure your life by happy and holy humility. We're called to be bold, but we're not called to be brash. I thought of Proverbs 28 verse 1 that says, The wicked man flees, though no one pursues, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. You see, our, our call is not to be brash, and to belittle people, or destroy the reputations of other people. That's not the goal. It's not to attack our enemies, to make them small. It's to make Christ big. It's so that people can see that Jesus is the answer. Not that you're the... not the answer. I love this word from the early church father. Father that I found, uh, Gregory of Nassianus. This is from AD 381. Listen to what he wrote. He began his ministry by being hungry, yet he's the bread alive. Jesus ended his earthly ministry by being thirsty, yet he's the living water. Jesus was weary, yet he's our rest. Jesus paid tribute, yet he's the king. Jesus was accused of having a demon, yet he cast out demons. Jesus wept, yet he wipes our tears away. Jesus was sold for 30 pieces of silver, yet he redeemed the world. Jesus was brought as a lamb to the slaughter, yet he's the good shepherd. Jesus died, yet by his death... He destroyed the power of death. Let's pray. Father, uh, the kind of fruit bearing that you want from our lives is Jesus, seen and shared. Father, that comes only through an humble heart, Lord. It comes not by me trying to be spiritual. It comes by me falling in love with you. And, Father, we just take this to heart tonight as we think about the benefit of humility. You provide protection, Lord. And you do all of these great benefits in our lives. Father, you give us power to serve you. and Father, you bless us. But it's for a purpose, and that's to exalt you, to extol you, as we sang earlier. And so, Father, we consider this as we think about the week before us. Who do you want to touch through our lives, Lord? It's certainly not because we're so good. It's because you're so good. And I pray that you might do such a work in us that others will see you, Lord. I pray that you'll give us humility. And As we said last week, you don't gain humility by seeking it. You receive it as you fall in love with Jesus. And so may we just fall in love with you anew. May we remember how you have so richly forgiven us. May we just catch a fresh view of you. Because humility is when we see you as great. And we see how greatly we need you. So may that occur now, Lord. Once in you. And Lord, we love you. We trust you. And as we prepare to sing, may we follow you. In Christ's name we pray.